Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Gina. And I'm Nicole. And today we are dishing about having a baby in this new era of COVID. Also postpartum wisdom and some common breastfeeding Q&As for World Breastfeeding Month. But of course, as always, let's do some catching up beforehand. Nicole, what's new? A lot. I feel like I haven't <laughs> talked to you. Um, first on the list, uh, we took the girls out for the first time um, like to a public place. Other, you know, they have been going to daycare. But other than that, we yeah. took them out for dinner Um it was very socially distanced. They did a great job. And then we also took them to like an outdoor brewery and they were so cute. They wore their masks, just like total rock stars. They're doing a really great job with it. And so they're at the brewery and they're got their little masks on and they're going from table to table petting all these dogs um, because that's just what they love to do at breweries. And I was just checking on them to make sure that they were okay. I mean, they were in sight the whole time. And this guy goes, are those your girls? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, they are so cute and so well behaved. He's like, you should be really proud. And I was like, my heart just like, it would just like almost blew up. It was just like yeah. so full. That is the best compliment. Don't you think? Like when somebody yes. compliments your children or your parenting, you're like, okay, I've made it. I'm making it. Oh, heck it's- yeah. Especially when you're out in public. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's not always the case, obviously, but I was like, okay, thanks girls. Good work. Good work. <laughs> um, okay. A couple of weeks, like a week and a half, two weeks ago, I did, I got asked by Mark's work to do a Ask the Expert series. They wanted to do something on nutrition. And I was like, cool. Yeah, let's do it. And it was over. So my health system blocks everything Google. They know Gmail. No, I mean, nothing Google um, other than Google uh, is allowable. So it was all done over Google Hangouts. And we had I was like, I think it's going to get blocked because it was during it was like my lunch hour. And uh, so anyway, had walked through um, ahead of time, some tech and and everything worked fine. It was great. Mm-hmm. Oh, and gosh. hopped on the call 15 minutes early. Everything was fine. Got my slides up. My audio was good, like rocking and rolling. And then all these people started hopping on the call. And suddenly my computer was sticking. My slides wouldn't advance. It sounded oh, like no. everyone on the call was like in a tunnel. And it was so embarrassing. It was... <laughs> like 80 to 100 people on the call. I know none of these people, of course, other than one guy from hockey and my husband. And (laughs) afterwards, I was like, okay, I made it. Um, Like the chat feature wasn't working like every and Marcos, uh, have you ever used a computer before? I was like, oh, my gosh, like that's what these people think of me. And that's just not the case at all. Obviously, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm a blogger for 11 years, have a podcast like I don't know anything about computers, only use one all day long. I just felt like a moron. Um, so that I thought went well, but maybe not. So it never, you never got to do your presentation or did no, you? I, I did it, but it was like a, a big fumble. And then she Ugh. had to pull up my slides and apparently she never put it in presentation mode. So it was oh. like just itty bitty. I was like, oh, glad I spent a lot of time doing that. Um, oh anyway, so it just could have gone so much better. I don't know if it was like a bandwidth issue or what, but I'm sure everybody listening, if they're working from home or even if they're trying to use, you know, house party or FaceTime with their family and friends, like 
Mm-hmm. Bandwidth issues are real. <laughs> you get oh, that yeah. video going. And so I think all of us in this uh, COVID time have struggled with technology in some way. Yeah. Um. So that happened. Mm. Uh, we are planning a little family vacay. I'm so excited. Okay. Um, we're just going to go up north like three and a half hours, rent a house and like do the beach. Um. Not to like... <laughs> We're we're real planners, so we're planning this like a month in advance. So it's going to be like the middle of September, the second week, the week after Labor Day. Hopefully, we'll see. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. And so Mark's like, it's going to be cold. I'm like, okay, don't jinx us. It'll be fine. I've it said for a not. lot of years that June is chillier weather than September. I've always said September needs yeah. to like just it's beach weather still. Yes. Um, I, I think we have a yes. We have an arts festival every Labor Day here where I live, and it's always hot. Like I don't even go anymore because it's like without fail on Labor Day here, it's just sweltering. So you'll be fine. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, it'll still be hot. Yeah. I, I sure hope so. Um, okay. And then the only other thing is I started white fragility and I know you and loved it. So I'm like super, you have to be ready. I mean, it's, it mm-hmm. is intense. Um, mm-hmm. Not in a bad way, but I started reading like the foreword one night in bed and I was like, oh, no, I need a palate <laughs> cleanser. Like, this is not how I can wind my day down. It was like brain explosion. Um, So I started it on my lunch break the next day. But yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's a, it was just I, it was a quick read. And it was I just think it's something that everyone should should read. She can be pretty brutal, but I think brutally honest is is good. That's kind of how I am, for those, brutally honest. I, I, <laughs> I didn't know, but it's a white woman writing the book um, about, yeah. Just read it. And I think it, I think it makes, did you think it was a black person writing the book? A black, no, a black but woman? It, she just makes it very clear out of the gate I mean, when she is a white woman talking to white people, basically. Got it. Right? Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. she does. Yes. What's I new? think it's important to know that because otherwise the tone is a little bit different. Okay, so I actually, uh, speaking of books, I uh, started reading, or actually, I, I read in about three days a, a book that I actually got the recommendation from you, The Silent Patient. Mm-hmm. So good. And I'm mm-hmm. waiting for that to come out. Is it a movie yet? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think it is either, but it needs to be. So it was really, really good. I, I enjoyed that it. That would make a fantastic movie. Wouldn't it? Oh, gosh. And then... As far as shows, we decided to start to watch. We had started Dead to Me a, f- a few months ago, maybe even longer than that. It Dead to Me is on Netflix and it is with Christina Applegate. And then another star who I only knew from, um, uh, what was that show called that she was in on Netflix? Uh, I can't even remember. She's been in a lot of things. I don't know her name. Anyway, we didn't love the first couple episodes. So we kind of stopped watching it. And my dad and his wife started watching it and they were just really, really into it. And they said, just keep watching it. And so we did. And we did make it through the first season. Really loved it. Can't wait for the second season to come out. So if you're looking for a good movie, I recommend Dead to Me. I thought it was really good. It's funny. It's witty. The acting is good. I think they actually just got nominated for a few Emmy Awards as well. And then we also just got HBO. We've never had HBO before. So I wanted to know if anyone has some good recommendations for HBO shows because we are through with Dead to Me, and now we're sort of in a... We did start watching True Detectives with Willie... Or Will... What's his name? Um, uh, Harrelson. Um, oh, my gosh. Harrelson. What's his first name? Woody. Woody Harrelson. Uh, it's kind of slow, but also, you know, it's a, it's a good one. And we're, we're flying through that one as well. But not it's not quite the same as Dead to Me. It's a huge shift. Uh, I, I like, I'm more into like the c- comedies lately. I, just, I need something a little bit less somber these days, I guess, but 
we're, we're enjoying that one. But if you have any recommendations for HBO shows, I am ready to listen to this. Do you guys watch TV every night? And like, what is your scheduled yes. TV time? So generally it's eight to nine, uh, sometimes nine to 10. Yeah. Oh, that's it. So, so what do you mean? Oh, I, I mean, it, that's only like one episode a day. I would think if you were flying through things, you'd be watching like two episodes a day. Um, no, no. I mean, when I say fly through things, I mean, we get through it in a month, maybe. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're not really flying through. I mean, I usually, I usually like to read a little bit, a little bit before bedtime as well. So I don't, Wait, I, I guess it's all relative. Is Shameless? No, I think that's Showtime. Shameless. Have you watched it? I watched like the first episode of Shameless. Was that the Yes. And that is, I think that is Netflix actually. Or Amazon. Uh, can't, but you didn't like it? Wait, maybe I'm getting them all confused. What's Shameless about again? Remind me. With Frank and um, it takes place in Chicago and he's an alcoholic and mm. they have this crazy dysfunctional family with all the kids and the parents are basically out of the picture and the oldest daughter is raising them all. No. Okay, no, I did not start watching that. Never mind. With Fiona Gallagher. No. I'm thinking of Shit's Creek. Oh, that's a good one too. Which we started watching it and stopped. And, and we tend to do that with TV shows. We did that with House of Cards. And I am very thankful that someone convinced me to keep watching it because I stopped watching it. And it ended up, and ended up being one of my favorite shows of all time. So, Okay, maybe question. I should you have on the show yeah. notes, you don't want to watch Game of Thrones. Why? Oh, gosh. I feel like it's just it's just too intense. I don't I don't have any desire to watch that. Plus, I hear it's tons of sex scenes, and I don't know about you. Isn't watching sex scenes with your husband awkward? Am I the only one that feels that way? Uh, maybe. I mean, <laughs> I think that's a great reason to watch it. I don't know. It's not like we sit there and like enjoy watching sex scenes together. I don't know. I don't. It just I just hear it's a bunch of naked people in sex. Maybe in a future life, maybe in another time in, in our in our marriage, that'll be something that we're into. But I, I don't know. That does not really entice me at this point. Here's not that I'm against it, but I hear like that's the whole thing. Like it's, it's all nakedness, which I don't mind seeing some naked men. Don't get me wrong. And and sex. It's just not. I don't know. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> that's okay. That's just that you asked. I'm telling you. All right. So moving on, that is all I had to catch up with. Not, not much news. Uh, so today we're talking with, oh, actually before we go into that, uh, just a quick favor to ask, forgot about this. If you like this podcast, please write us a review. Reviews on iTunes are everything to us and they really help us reach more people. So we'd really appreciate it if you could write us one or even, you know what, just, uh, you know, click on some of those stars, preferably the five <laughs> and don't even write anything. We'd be really appreciative. All right, moving on to today's topic. We are talking today with a newly doctrined mom of two boys, my good friend, Dossie Guinness. Dossie lives in Chicago with her husband, Keith. Dossie is a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist who provides therapy to women struggling with grief, trauma, and life transitions. As you will hear, we interviewed Dossie merely one month after she had her second baby boy, Zeke. And she asks that we forgive her mom fog. And perhaps, Nicole, we forgot just what it's like to be one month postpartum. I'm not sure that I ever would have volunteered to do an interview with anyone one month into my postpartum time. But mm -hmm. anyway, we also have uh, Jessica Allmeyer, who is a certified lactation consultant, and she'll be answering some commonly asked questions on the topic of breastfeeding course that's also important thank you all right without further ado our interview is next 
Dossie Guinness. Well, wait, you're not Guinness anymore. What's your last name now? You know what? I never actually changed it, but I you can didn't. go either way. Dossie Guinness okay. Kimball or just Dossie Guinness. Okay. You never changed your name. I didn't realize that. So Dossie is a good friend of mine. I, I completely agree. Uh, Dossie is a good friend of mine from college. And just to do a little bit of an icebreaker, Dossie, you can tell us, I want to hear what your favorite food is of all time. Like if you're on a deserted island, what your what would be the one thing you must have at, on that deserted island? And then what is your son's favorite food? Oh, mine, I think, this is going to be kind of gross, but like classic craft mac and cheese from a box. Oh. Yeah, that is, wow. Nicole is cringing right is now. That upsetting? <laughs> I'm just thinking you can have all the Kraft mac and cheese you want. I'm going to take the King crab legs. <laughs> okay. No, no. Hey, there just, is no wrong answer. <laughs> I really like it. Okay. Um, and, and then your son. Seriously, surprisingly, he, he loves Pete. I'm okay. not just saying. Really I, you know what? My children love peas too. I, I do believe that answer. I don't know that I believe it as a favorite food, but I do believe that he loves peas. My kids could devour like a bag of peas if I let them. I, so I, I don't think that's too far-fetched. And then okay, Dossie. So, so Dossie, now yeah. you, mac and cheese and peas, you have to try Gina's yeah. Instant Pot mac and cheese with ham and peas. That's so true. Oh, It's, it, it's basically yeah. your favorite and your son's favorite like in one. And it's fantastic. And you can That's even amazing. maybe open a, you could open a craft box and, and sprinkle in that craft <laughs> cheese if you really wanted to. I mean, there is no stopping. It's the fake, it's that fake cheese that gets me. I just yeah. love it. <laughs> okay. All right. And I, my kids actually really do like mac and cheese and peas together. I mean, it's, it's a classic combo. All right. So quickly, Dossie, you know, just so our listeners have an idea, we again know each other from college. So we both went to mm-hmm. Miami University. Dossie, where are you from? I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, but I've been yes. living in Chicago for, oh my gosh, like 16 years now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time. And, and Nicole often goes to Chicago because she's got lots of family there. Yeah, so. I'm from there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, you're from That's here? right. I'm from Oak Park. I always, oh, nice. I always forget you're from Chicago. Yeah. Right. Oh, Oak Park right. is awesome. Are you in the city? We are. Yeah. Nice. I'm jealous. Yeah. It's, but wait, are you jealous, yeah. Nicole? I mean, at times. Yeah. Not this time of year. Yeah. Right. No. Of course. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's better now in Chicago than it would be in the winter. I feel like it's super cold and windy. Yeah. Right. It is. Like, wouldn't yeah, this, I mean, this be the time to be in Chicago? In Chicago are what everyone waits for, waits for throughout the year. Right. Right, which I think is a similar to where Nicole is. Summers and absolutely, in, yeah, where you are is is what everyone waits for. I'm on the affordable side of the lake. I'm right around the tip of Lake Michigan from Chicago, just 90 minutes on 94 in St. Uh-huh. Joe, Michigan. Yep. Oh, cool. Yep. Love it. Okay, so Dossie, tell our listeners about you and what you do. So, just real quick, who do you live with? Uh, where do you live? We've already got that covered, Chicago. And what does your husband do? And then, lastly, what do you do? Okay. Um, I live with my husband and my two sons. Um, Samson is, will be three in August and yeah. Zeke is a month old. And yep, that's all. Those are the people. And then <laughs> my husband is a realtor and he and I also own um, a, an indoor running gym. 
So, yeah, so tell us more about that. Yeah. So it's kind of like, like using the name of another, of a competitor essentially, but imagine Soul Cycle, but treadmills. So it's like choreographed running um, where he um, has member, he tells members like what, um, like percentage of effort to be putting in, when to go up a hill, when to go flat and mm-hmm. puts it to music so that um, it's fun and motivating and mm. people love it. So That's awesome. we have that. And then um, adjacent to our running studio is a yoga studio. So we have a lot of combo oh. classes of running and yoga, running in boot camps, running and strength. Now is uh, the yoga studio yours as well? It is ours. Yeah. Wow. You guys are busy. Okay. So tell us what it's called. It's called Run Chicago. Run Chicago. Yeah. So follow them. And, and your husband, Keith, does a, a really good job with social media and I, I know the last time I was in Chicago, I tried to do a class, but it didn't work out. But I am, will eventually get to that. <laughs> you would love it, Gina. I think I would. I don't Absolutely. love treadmills necessarily, but I, I feel like my body doesn't do well on treadmills, but I think I would enjoy the class. You know, once in a while, it wouldn't hurt me. I love treadmills. No, I that think, sounds fascinating to me. I'd love it. I hate running. I hate treadmills. <laughs> and I thoroughly enjoy his classes. Oh, so if, yeah. I feel like if I like it, most people would like it. That's awesome. Yeah. I can't say that I do it a lot, but when I mm-hmm. do do it, I really enjoy it. <laughs> um, just because time constraints of being a mom is, as you guys yeah. know. But. And you said Zeke is a month old. Yes. So uh, kind of exercise into pregnancy here or, or delivery, postpartum life. How was your first pregnancy, pre and postpartum, that whole experience? How was it different the second time around? Also, like just generally speaking, but also with I mean, it's COVID-19 times. Um, if you could just kind of give us a, a rundown there. Yeah. Um, okay. So my first pregnancy was relatively easy. I, I, speaking of exercise, worked out regularly up until like the eighth month, I think. And wow. then I just was too big and too tired. Um, <laughs> but I loved being pregnant. I love, I really liked the way I looked being pregnant. Um, so I had, I did have gestational diabetes the first time and the second time. Um, Mm -hmm. first time though, it was managed with diet only. So overall I had a a really positive pregnancy experience the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, and that sounds like a setup for like a terrible experience the second time around. (laughs) Not totally going to say that, but it was not as easy second time. Um, and then postpartum first time, um, I think because I had worked out throughout my pregnancy, my recovery time was pretty quick. I ended up with a C-section and I did have some disappointment around that um, Mm -hmm. delivery. I had been hoping for a natural delivery and so um, felt like I had to work through some of the feelings I had about that. Um, And then also postpartum, I wonder how if the two of you and others have felt this way, but I the thing that affected me, I think the most was the mental load that I just was not prepared for that. Like I was Mm going to constantly be thinking of a thousand things at one time. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and that just like weighed really heavily on me. And I remember going for a walk with my mom. I left the baby at home for like five minutes, went on the shortest walk and saw 
these young women walking and I <laughs> almost burst into tears because I'm like, they just got to leave the house and they didn't have to think about mm-hmm. anything. And oh, it took yeah. me an hour just to like go on this walk around the block. Hi, how am I going to survive? Um, and so like that was a huge adjustment. Um, so yeah, just like realizing how much was going to be on my mind all the time. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, Dossie. Yes, we totally. I mean, I know I agree. I, and I feel like I speak for Nicole as well. Oh my gosh. I mental. What do you call, say? Mental load. I, I, yeah. Th- I think that's the thing. I haven't been able to like that in some is like the hardest part, I think, of postpartum life. Yeah. I yeah. feel really validated hearing other people say that. <laughs> yeah. But are you saying then you feel a little bit better the second time around as far as postpartum? Would you say generally speaking, it's been a little bit yes. easier? Okay. I yeah. will say yes. So like the pregnancy this time was harder. Mm-hmm. I had polyhydramnios. And what? If, if any, that? That's when you have too much amniotic fluid. And it comes about, um, towards the end of the pregnancy and Mm -hmm. it's what, well, actually, yeah, I think that's when I like, that's at least when they start looking for it. And it's a lot of times associated with gestational diabetes. Um, Mm -hmm. other times, fortunately it was associated with the diabetes in some cases it can be associated with like an esophageal problem in your baby or a kidney problem that's, um, producing too much fluid. So like the, the, like one you would hope for the cause you would hope for would just be the diabetes as a side effect. Um, because then there's nothing truly wrong with your baby. Um, but what that means is that then they, there's like the risk of the cord prolapsing. So if you were to go into labor on your own or if your water breaks, there's time for the cord to go underneath the baby's head, which can be lethal and dangerous. Um, Mm -hmm. so that was, that's like the scariest concern. And that's the one I focused on and like chose to worry about their other concerns that I don't know as much about. But the result of that is they often don't let you go fo- to 40 weeks and they often suggest a C-section, especially if you've already had a C-section. Mm-hmm. Ah, so yes. that being said, I had then a repeat C-section, even though when I initially got pregnant, I really had wanted to try for a VBAC. So okay. um, the pregnancy this time was more challenging. And it was also a lot harder being a mom of a two and a half year old and Mm -hmm. feeling so fatigued from being pregnant. Um, Mm -hmm. like that, that was very tough, but postpartum feels a lot better this time around because Mm -hmm. as my husband likes to say, my life was already ruined. So another kid's (laughs) not going to ruin it anymore. <laughs> half kidding. He loves our kids, but it's true that you've already adjusted to yeah. that selflessness and that you're kind of like last in line for things and you you give your time to your kid. And so um and I think probably we should touch on self-care at some point. That's in my notes that I mm-hmm. wanted to mention. But um yeah. but it does feel like I already know what it's like to have my brain overloaded all the time. And this is just nothing new. Do you think, you know, I, I would agree with you as far as the second one, for sure. I didn't feel the, the brain fog as much, the brain overload. I mean, I still felt it, but would, how has COVID affected your postpartum time? Oh, right. I think that I forgot about that part. Um, no, it's fine. <laughs> brain fog. <laughs> it, the, I think the hardest thing is that I do, well, in some ways I feel like I was I like to like hibernate after having a baby anyway, apparently. Mm-hmm. So yeah. in some ways I, for, I forget sometimes, but it's hard that <laughs> my friends can't come meet the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to be extra cautious if we want to take the baby 
anywhere, um, which you would be with a brand new one anyway, but we like to go like have dinner and drinks outside and, and do stuff like that. And we can't do that. Um, yeah, this time. So it's just like an excess of family time, but certainly those like appointments after, you know, when you bring your baby, you're like newborn in and I have to do all of that by myself. You're not allowed to Mm -hmm. have your partner come with you. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's manageable, but it's kind of disappointing to not be able to share those moments with Keith. Like I did before. Mm-hmm. Were you COVID tested prior to going in for your scheduled C-section? I was since it was scheduled. Oh. They had me set up for a COVID test 72 hours before. Um, but I heard I've heard from other people who went into spontaneous labor that they check you like as soon as you're all hooked up in the hospital with your IV and everything. They give you a COVID. They shove that thing right up your nose in the middle oh, of the contraction. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It probably doesn't hurt as much as the contraction. Let me ask you on that same note. I was listening to a podcast. It's embarrassing. The Mommies Tell All podcast uh, with Jade and Carly from The Bachelorette. Anyway, she was saying she was saying that her hospital requires the mom to wear a mask when in labor. So if giving birth naturally, she was talking about. So having a vaginal delivery, they would require her to wear a mask. And I was confused by this because A, no way. Like I would never, it's hard enough without a mask. How can you, I just can't even imagine. And B, why wouldn't they just test her to make sure she was negative and then not make her wear a mask? So did they tell you that you had to wear a mask if you were, if you had a vaginal delivery? We never got to that since we knew that I was going to have a C-section, but I did wear a mask during the C-section. Okay. Okay. All right. Even though you tested negative. Even though I tested negative. But I didn't have to wear a mask. Like when people came to my room, my nurse came to my room. I didn't have to wear a mask those times. Um, He had to spend 36 hours in the NICU and they did have you, obviously, I think, wear a mask when Mm -hmm. you like were in the hallway and then when you were in the NICU. Which, okay. So you also had a C-section before without COVID. Did you wear a mask then? And did Keith wear a mask then? Or is it just for COVID? Keith wore a mask. I don't think I wore a mask during the C-section the first time. Okay. Because I feel like I've seen pictures of people wearing masks, even aside from COVID-19. Right. Okay. All right. I think that's, it's, my memory is so foggy with that. Yeah. Um, but I had already been in labor for a gazillion hours the first time. So I don't remember a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Approximately oh a gazillion. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what it felt like. Uh, okay. And you probably already answered this question, Dossie, but what was the most difficult part of your postpartum experience this time around? And if you've already said it, just I don't know, if there's anything other than what you've already said. Yeah. No, I think the most difficult um, part of postpartum this time is there's more mom guilt about um, whether I'm spending enough time with each kid. Yeah. So like wanting to make sure I have enough time alone with Samson and then that I'm bonding with baby, but then I'm not leaving him at the other kid out. And because mm-hmm. of COVID, um, we're not really going anywhere. So we, it, in my head, when I was pregnant, I was thinking, well, Samson, and I will have his special music class and we'll still have our swimming class. So we'll have that time mm-hmm. together. And then he can spend time at his, you know, he can go to his daycare and me and the baby will have a baby in me class. But yes. of course, none of that has happened. So I'm trying to navigate that without that structure. Um, and it can be 
hard to, I mean, I don't know. I hope, I hope I'm doing a good job, but I don't know. Yeah. So I think that's the hardest. You know, what's funny. I feel like every mom says that, especially on their second or third or, um, you know, after the first, I do not remember having guilt about not spending enough time with Paige ever. And I don't know why I, I, I don't know what that means about me. But I feel like every mom says that. And I'm just like, I never experienced that. Did you ever wonder if you had enough like capacity to love each child as like your second as much as you did, like yeah. Cameron as much as Paige or See, I never, I Samson never as much as even thought about that. But you're saying yes, Dossie? Or Zeke as much as him. I, as soon as I got pregnant, I was scared I wasn't going to love the other baby. I was like, there's Aww. no, this better. I was like, this better be a girl because I don't know how I could. <laughs> love another boy. Like he's my baby boy. How I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is understandable though. I could, I never experienced that, but I, but I also had a, a boy um, my second right. time around. So maybe that's different. And I will tell you, I wanted a boy. I wanted a boy when I had Paige. Uh, so maybe oh, that really? did make a difference. I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can relate. Piper was supposed to be my boy. So I have two girls. <laughs> oh, and you have two boys, and Gina has one of each, so that's interesting. Uh-huh. Um, but all yeah. under the eight, five and under, all of our children. Yes. Are five and oh under. wow! Yes. Well, not for, not for long. Not for long. <laughs> yes, our our girls are, are old. My oldest and, and Paige yeah, are turning six. Ah, crazy! Oh my yes. gosh! Oh my gosh! Can you believe that? Oh, crazy! It is crazy. crazy. Um. So, what other what other kinds of postpartum struggles uh, do you find kind of to be common amongst moms or dads these days? Um, and what would you say your advice is for getting over those hurdles? You're in the thick of it here. Yeah. <laughs> I am in the thick of it. Um, so what I hear from um, people, wait, I didn't say what I do for my job. I know. I was I was just thinking that. <laughs> yes. We will say that in the introduction, but. It'll add some context. So I don't have to, sorry, I don't know who Brian is, but I'm <laughs> cutting in and like. That's our editor. You're good. Just go ahead and say what you do. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Okay. So I'm a psychotherapist and I specialize in grief, trauma, um, anxiety, depression, and life transitions. So basically most things that people experience at some point in their life. Um, But I do see a lot of new moms um, in my practice. I I have, I have a private practice and, um, Sorry. Okay. I jumbled that up. But anyway, a lot of my clients are, are, are young moms and women. Um, and so something that I see a lot from, from the women I work with are um, feeling surprised by um, postpartum depression or anxiety experiences that like they didn't think that they would have um, sadness around the birth mm-hmm. of their kid because it's portrayed as this joyful, momentous experience, which it often is, but it's certainly accompanied by a lot of difficult feelings. Um, and so accepting that that might be part of their postpartum experience is really hard. Um, it's hard, you know, having a new baby is a lot harder than Instagram makes it look. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so accepting that um, it's not always glamorous and you may not like how you look or how you feel. Um, and sometimes I've, uh, I've talked to some moms who feel like it took, it took a minute to really feel like they bonded with their baby. Um, again, Mm -hmm. I think like meet social media and also just movies and television make it look like 
they give you your baby and all of a sudden you're over the moon, which is many people's experience, but it's also not everyone's experience. Um, Mm -hmm. And so people feeling guilty that they didn't have this um, like just like rush of intense love the second they laid eyes on their baby and Mm -hmm. accepting that that doesn't make them a bad mom at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think like I see a lot of struggles with partners and like, you know, if you if if you're in a relationship where you are living with your with your partner and you have established a routine around who does what and and how you live together, that's shaken up a lot of the time when a baby comes. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe a lot of couples haven't talked through how they're going to handle feedings and diapers and laundry and all of these extra things, even um, or even they have talked about it. And then all of a sudden it's the middle of the night and everyone's stressed and tired and your baby's crying. You're like, oh, my God, this isn't feeling or looking like how we talked about it. Yeah. So um, struggling with like navigating those like ch- the change of roles is is a big one um, and just adapting to this being a, a new piece of your identity that you are one person and then now you're someone's parent and that can feel um, pretty intense and and big for for a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. So I think those are some of the big the big things I talk through with a lot of parents. Um, and then were you, gonna, I have some advice, but what yeah, <laughs> okay. that's what I, I want to hear. I definitely want to hear what you have to say. I especially want to hear what you have to say about the kind of talking with your partner about who does what. And mm-hmm. because it's so hard to plan for that. I mean, I, I am such a planner. You know this about me, Dossie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will plan for things years in advance. So <laughs> But you cannot plan. You can think, you know, mm-hmm. how your day to day life is going to be when you have a child, but you really have absolutely no idea. So I'm I'm curious totally. to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no I, I totally agree with you that, like, you can talk it out so many times and it's, you just don't know. Um, I encourage people to have to communicate and talk and be open to reevaluating and renegotiating and perhaps like taking on things that they hadn't expected to take on. And mm-hmm. just like the, com- I think the communication piece is, is really the most important one. And mm-hmm. being able to do that, like when you're not like, wait till it's not 2 AM. Um, mm-hmm. And when you're as well rested as possible and talk through how you're feeling, what your needs are, how your partner can help and give them the space, even though they aren't, if we're talking about the people, the partner who didn't carry the baby, they Mm -hmm. also get to express their needs. Um, But if you didn't, if you didn't carry a baby for nine months and give birth, you are like slightly like on the second level here, (laughs) but you still have needs that you get to talk about. Um, But it's important that um, that communication is, is happening on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, there was gonna say something else. I forgot. Um, uh, yeah. Hold on. You got your notes in front of you. I do have my notes in front of me and I totally <laughs> <laughs> lost the other thing I was going to say about you. Are, you're partners. a month postpartum, Dossie. You oh get all the excuses. <laughs> Thanks. Um, Here, okay. let, me, let me, let me, Okay, let me ask you about this. Postpartum, yeah. usually we hear about moms having postpartum, but what about 
dads or the partner who didn't have the baby. That yeah. th- that happens too, right? Or totally. the dad or the other partner doesn't feel the love and connection with the baby that they that they thought. I know I've heard um I've heard friends talk about that before and so it happens yeah. to others, not just the one who's carried the baby, right? Yes, it really does. Okay. That I'm glad that you're saying that. I think I mean that like slipped my mind too. We and but you it does happen because also like their identity is shifting and mm-hmm because they didn't carry the baby or they might not be breastfeeding or maybe they're not the one providing most of the care they feel like um, secondary and they're not bonding as much as, as maybe the mom birth mom is. So yeah, yeah, it's certainly, and then I think um, sometimes that parent can feel like they're not connecting as much with mom as they would want to. And they Mm -hmm. feel left out of, of the relationship from that standpoint as well. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it can certainly happen. And again, like the communication piece is so important, um, that you're, that you're sharing what, what you need from the other and that you're also doing things that like you feel fulfill you. Um, Mm -hmm. even if, you know, if it's outside of your family life, make sure that you're still doing the things that bring you joy because it's a, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing is hard. That was hard for me doing things that I, I, at least the first two months I can, and I know it's hard. I'm, we are very thankful for you taking your time to mm-hmm. talk with us today, Dossi, because the first, it's really that first month to two months. It's just a struggle. I mean, yeah. and for, I think a lot of women too, they're, and I know it doesn't sound like you would agree with me on this, but they miss being pregnant. I know with my second, I was like, get this baby out of here. I couldn't wait. So that was not a, a sadness of mine that I had, but I know a lot of women struggle with that as well, right? They kind of miss having yeah. that baby inside them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I can't imagine like physically it's that. Like but. I miss the kicks sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny. And then I, go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, I sometimes feel like kicks still, like phantom kicks. Do you <gasps> ever have that? Me too, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's been three years and I'll feel something. I'm like, oh my gosh, that felt like a baby kick. And it was probably just, you know, my digestive tract doing something, but it just felt very similar to a baby kick. And then I get a little bit of sadness. Yeah. (laughs) You get sadness. I get like, I'm like, when was my period due? Is my period due? (laughs) Oh, trust me. I also have that thought. (laughs) But then I'm like, okay, there's no way I could, I would definitely know I was pregnant if, you know, by the time they're kicking, you're at least four or five months, right? I, I yes, know. yes. Like 16-ish weeks usually. But still, I mean, I have yes. the thoughts of just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, you do feel those little <laughs> phantom things going on, um, which I would have loved a third baby like two years ago. And now it's like, I'm just, I'm just done with that. I, we're done with diapers. There you go. Done with diapers. Yes. Mm, no true. going back now. Uh, too funny. Have well, you potty trained Samson yet, Dossie? Yeah. And that's been, I wanted to have it done before Zeke came and we did it. Nice. And he's awesome. doing good. a really good job. All right. Yeah. Well, speaking of Samson, how has he been handling uh, Zeke as the new addition to the family? He has been doing a really good job, like better than I expected. Um, I mean, he's had some setbacks emotionally um, where he's like regressed tantrum wise and, um, has just had more sadness, but like fleeting overall, he has been like his happy, jolly self and has been 
in the morning, where's baby Zeke? I want to see him. Oh, his eyes are open. Can I hold him? I'll give him a bottle. Aww. So he's Aww. very interested in, um, the only thing is he'll hold him on the boppy pillow, but then like decide he's done holding him and just get up without telling us that he's done. <laughs> and then, like, uh-huh. like, okay, hold on. So um, he's like, oh, I love you. Okay, now I'm going to play. But um, really, he's doing he's doing a great job. He had a hard time, I think, with us being at the hospital, actually, uh-huh. um, more than you know, the adjustment to Zeke coming. He had some like a mm-hmm. hard day when we came back. But I also mm-hmm. know from um, families I've worked with that sometimes um, the bigger feelings can come later on. Like Zeke is still sort of mm-hmm. a lump. Like he's not smiling or engaging yet. And so I know like sometimes <laughs> around that like four to six months when they're like starting to play and be more active, the older sibling is like, hold up a second. Now you're mm-hmm. stealing my thunder for real. So I guess we'll see what happens then. But yeah. so far so good. Yeah. So, okay. You talked about the, you know, the postpartum struggles of women, especially when it comes to communication with their partner. I would, I would say for me, the biggest area of communication that was so important had to do with feeding the baby. And for us, it was breastfeeding. Um, For Paige, it was, you know, pumping and feeding in a bottle. I'm just curious before I go into the next question, what is your advice to women who feel like they just can't communicate with their partner and they've tried, but they just don't feel like their partner is giving their all and the communication is just not working? Mm-hmm. That's really tough. Yeah, um, I know. If you are in that situation, though, if you have friends or a parent to reach out to for some of that extra mm-hmm. support to vent, um, mm-hmm. because it's, really some like it's impossible to go through this alone. I mean, people do go through it alone, but I would, yeah, that's not advisable. If you can't talk to your partner, if they're just not listening, find support wherever you can. Um, and then there's always, I mean, couples therapy is really helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. the first time with our first was, uh, Samson, we had a doula and the doula said to us, um, babies are really good at ruining marriages. (laughs) <laughs> which is not funny, but sad. And, yeah. um, but I think it can be really true. And, and so if it, when you like feel like you are back on your feet, maybe suggesting couples therapy to your partner so that yeah. um, you have a space where you can talk through some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with you. Do you do couples therapy? I'm just curious, Dossie. Um, I have, it's not my um, area of expertise. Okay. I often though will see like one person of a couple and then yeah. um like collaborate with the couples therapist. Got it. Okay, so it's World Breastfeeding Awareness Month. Dossie, how has breastfeeding going for you? I'm just assuming you're breastfeeding again, but I guess I don't know that for a fact. I am breastfeeding again. Okay. Um <laughs> I, I will say this, like I didn't get the delivery experiences I wanted, but breastfeeding both times was, has been really fantastic. I nursed yeah. Samson until he, until I got pregnant with Zeke and then I, now I'm breastfeeding mm-hmm. again. I have 150 ounces in the freezer at this point. Damn. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I say that knowing that like, this is a unique, it's like, I have dear friends who didn't produce or chose not to breastfeed because at the yeah. beginning it can be so hard. 
uh, Zeke's latch is top notch. Like I had no pain. <laughs> Samson was not so skilled at latching, so I mm-hmm. I struggled a little bit. But um, but both both experiences were really positive. So so you haven't experienced yeah. post breastfeeding boob yet. I haven't because <laughs> I like sort of ran. Like <laughs> I was running out when I was done with Samson. It was only like a nighttime okay. feed. So mm-hmm. I haven't like had to like salt like people like express in the shower and stuff, right? I yeah, haven't had to sure. do that. Okay. No, Tell I mean me. you haven't experienced, but do you know you, you haven't Wait, experienced what, you what you're? Maybe you have actually. It sounds <gasps> oh, like maybe you like have. When your boobs are deflated. Yes. I like have the, the, the no, tube socks. I got pregnant. <laughs> no tube socks. Yeah, I got pregnant and they just like <laughs> puffed right up. So I, I, I. We'll see what they look. I'm there. I. I'm, I'm, I'm well endowed. I'm sure I, they will be all the way down to my <laughs> belly button. I will see a picture for sure. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'll send you one. All right. Good. Good. <laughs> I love you in boobs and breastfeeding, Gina. It's so funny. <laughs> Jossie, do you know that I'm planning on getting a breast um, job, a boob job? Oh, yay. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me just tell a quick story. So Dossie was here last year. <laughs> She was here in 2019, December. She was going to North Carolina with her family. She was pregnant. And I brought her into the bathroom. And I said, Dossie, you have to look at these. She hasn't seen my boobs since college, okay? I took off my shirt. And do you know what she did? She burst out laughing. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) So if that isn't, you know, confirmation that I need something done with these things, I don't know what is. And I was all mentally prepared to be like, they look great. It's fine. <laughs> and I just couldn't even do it. <laughs> that is hilarious. Thank you. So when I frivolously spend money on a boob job, everyone, this is I why. I swear. I, I Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're really You're bad. Beautiful. It's bad. You are beautiful. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not beautiful. I just need some boobs. I got zero. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> and oh, my all gosh. Right. <laughs> all right that's amazing Uh, hey you guys are good friends if if you can do that and i love that gina's not easily offended that's amazing oh gosh no it's It's almost to a fault honestly because then i offend other people and i'm like what anyway oh my goodness well that's great um so i have a, a friend of mine from like initial food blogging days. And she went on to become a certified lactation counselor. And we just thought it would be, this is the perfect episode probably to just ask her some common breastfeeding questions. Um, Some of which came from us, some from uh, listeners, but just thought we could kind of run through those now. Gina, are you reading the questions? Oh, all right. I'll read them. Yes. Okay. And I think a few of these are from you, Dossie. So the question, the first question is, how do I know my baby is getting enough breast milk? And I know this was a huge question of mine when I had Paige. So this is a good one. Yeah. And so the my friend, the lactation consultant, her name is Jessica Allmeyer. And uh, she, these are just so, there's tons of information here. We're going to post it all on the show notes, but uh, giving somewhat of the Cliff Notes version here a ton of information, but she she just wants parents to know that it's very normal and expected that newborns will lose weight in the first two to three days of life. And it's at that like three to four day mark where there's a weight loss plateau and then the weight starts to come back up so that by 10 to 14 days kind of after birth, the baby's uh, back to their starting uh, birth weight. That's kind of the goal there. Um, mm-hmm. So she said, expect that. 
And one of the most important indicators for how much milk is going in is how much is coming out. And so her recommendation after the third day uh, is to expect at least six soaked diapers and two poopy diapers in a 24-hour period. Anything less than that would be a good reason to consult with the pediatrician and the uh, lactation consultant. Uh, She goes on to say that in the first weeks of life, we also expect that a newborn will eat at least eight to 12 times a day. Uh, and mm-hmm. that p- she recommends parents track feeding uh, and the diapers out- output since, mm-hmm. I mean, Dossie, you're in the, you're in the thick of it, right? Like mm-hmm. things just get blurry. And she even recommended not using an app because it's just oh. like one more thing. Um, mm-hmm. I always had my phone with me, so I found that helpful, but she, mm-hmm. she was kind of a fan of just uh, paper and pen. Um, and okay. So then during the feed, What you want to see is active jaw movement, not just, she says, cheek wiggling. Uh, And that can be more just soothing, she says. Uh, Typically, you'll see one to three long pulls followed by an audible swallow. And you see a wide open jaw with a short pause in the chin. So it should be consistent without long breaks. And you'll want to feel a strong tug on the breast and nipple without any pinching or sharp shooting pain. So... Yeah. Okay. I, I used an app, I will say, and I, this is, and I realized she's just making a general recommendation. I can see why the app might be a little annoying for some people, but for me, I did not use an app for Paige, but I did for Cameron. And the second time around when I had that app, it made it much easier for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and it's to each their own really. All right. Number two, what's your advice for dealing? And this is kind of a question we've already asked Dossie, but it's, I'm curious to hear what we, what the lactation counselor says. Uh, what's your advice for dealing with non-supportive partners, family members, or friends when it comes to breastfeeding? Jessica just recognized that this is super difficult and it's already a very emotional and exhausting time, which just lends to, you know, emotion, high emotions, uh, high reactivity. She likes to recommend just being honest about feelings, um, what you're feeling, what your partner's feeling, and what their lack of support feels like to you, uh, and then spend time listening. Uh, she goes on to say that then you need to find people that are supportive and recommends mm-hmm. uh, at the hospitals a lot of new mom support groups. Even during COVID, a lot of them are meeting virtually. And I would say personally, um, this is me interjecting now, um, just experience. But I went to the local, um, and I live in a teeny tiny town, but we have a breastfeeding support group that meets at the outpatient center once weekly, and we called it Boob Club. Um, but that is where I would say 75% of my local friends came from. Wow. I Jeez. loved it. Did you guys, either of you attend anything like that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you, oh. Cassie, go ahead. Um, I went to a new mom's group when I had Samson. Um, I didn't keep in touch with anyone from it, not because it wasn't great, but, um, I, I really appreciated having a a space to talk through stuff with other moms Mm -hmm. who are going through the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. I agree with you, Dossie. I went to one as well, but I did, I did not keep in touch with, with those women. So good for you, Nicole. You are very social. I can, I can see that you made friends with all of them. I'm sure. We locked it down. The breastfeeding support group. Boob Club was at 11 a.m. on Wednesdays. We'd we'd all, you know, come in and hot with the babies. We'd weigh them, feed them. So it's just like boobs wow. out in this conference oh, wow. room. 
And then you could weigh them to, you know, see the transfer. And uh, afterwards, you know, babies were all like fed and then it was lunchtime. So we would usually go to like the brewery. I, I found oh, my geez. beer drinking, my craft beer uh, mamas and oh. all the babies just like slept and we could have like a nice <laughs> lunch. But you want to talk about mental health and just that mental like just, just load. That was my savior in maternity leave because I was just yeah. the type to bop all around. And I recognize, I'm like, I feel bad for women who are, like you said, whole kind of hold up at home with all the COVID restrictions because that was, that kept, kept me sane. I mean, it really, really did. And I would go like, well past the point of like newborn stage. It, you know, Shay was like nearly walking and I was still going to boob club. Mark's like, you think it's time? I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to pay take PTO on Wednesday so I can go to boob club. He's like, you got to let it go, Nicole. Um, <laughs> My kid's in college. But... <laughs> they were... That's why you got pregnant again, just so you could go to boob club. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Ex- oh my gosh. It was just a blast. Um, both times. I mean, they would have Facebook groups like class of 2032. And I mean, they're like active on it. It's just the funniest thing. Um, So I would say look and you will find uh, if you're looking for something like that. All right. Sorry, Gina. All right. On a tangent. No, I love it. Okay. So question number three is there, this is actually my question because I'm really curious if there's research out to support breastfeeding or breast milk can protect the mother and baby from COVID. And this is a fascinating answer from Jessica. You'll love it. So she says, human milk is amazing, living, changing thing. We knew that. Um, Without even considering COVID, human milk contains hundreds of antimicrobial and immune factors that are supportive of a healthy infant immune system, keeping in mind that these are protective and supportive, not necessarily 100% preventative. So in the times of COVID, uh, current kind of case reviews and studies are showing that the live virus is not evident in mother's milk and therefore transmission through breast milk is unlikely. So that's more talking about a COVID positive mother passing it on to an infant. If transmission occurs between mother and child, it's more likely to be through close contact and droplets, not through the milk itself. Uh, Additionally, in mothers that were confirmed positive for COVID, COVID antibodies have been found in their expressed milk. How wow. cool is that? Wow. That is awesome. And it kind of, it's kind of a, a similar answer that you would give. I, I mean, I can remember my doctor always saying, and my lactation counselor, if you are sick, keep breastfeeding. So it's very mm-hmm. similar. I mean, it, it sounds like you don't pass a lot of that sickness in your breast milk, but you pass the antibodies. So that's great. I mean, they I call it liquid being, gold for a reason, I guess. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that's great. Do you All remember right. Piper had a hemangioma on her, fa- on her forehead? So no. hemangioma, I'm, I'll probably butcher it. I haven't studied them in a long time, but right about somewhere between two and four months, my youngest daughter developed like a red spot right on the right in the middle of her forehead, and it's what it is. It's a cluster of, um, I think it's like like little teeny tiny veins or blood. It's blood basically, though, and it usually grows and then it'll go away, but typically leaves some scarring. And it's completely benign, but it was flat. It was not a raised surface and it didn't go away. It was getting slightly bigger. Took her to a dermatologist, took her to the pediatrician, kind of all of that. They diagnosed it as hemangioma. And they basically said, just let it, you know, it'll probably get bigger. It could get the size of like a strawberry. And I'm thinking, oh, oh. my gosh, like a strawberry on the, you know, I mean, kids are cruel, right? Like that's just difficult. Um, And so I just started putting breast milk on it and it completely went away. I had a, <sighs> I had a plastic surgery consult in Chicago and everything. Um, to to just have it consulted before it was any bigger. And yeah, anyway. So. Wow. I swear it was <laughs> breast milk. Amazing. I wasn't expecting that, but all right. I guess I haven't told that story on the podcast. No. All right. So we've got two more questions. 
Number four, is there anything I can do to improve my newborn's latch? Okay, Jessica says she likes to start out telling moms that there isn't really a wrong way to breastfeed. And if the mom is free of pain and the baby is able to effectively nurse and transfer enough milk to gain weight appropriately, then things are going well, even if it doesn't necessarily look textbook perfect from the outside. However, if there's pain or the baby is having problems gaining sufficient weight um, or is experiencing weight loss or jaundice, then that would be a time to kind of consult the latch. So big things mm-hmm. to keep in mind is that the it's she says it's breastfeeding, not nipple feeding. And I that I think a lot of times that is a big mistake that people make. Um, yeah. She goes on to say, if a baby is latching just onto the nipple, you'll likely have nipple pain and the baby yep. will be working hard for minimal milk transfer. She said, think of trying to drink from a straw that you're pinching. So a really oh, good visual okay. there. When thinking of the best positioning at the breast, think of how you would you would eat and drink. So you want like kind of directly in the baby directly in front of your body and just things like making sure that the chin isn't too high or too low or that the face is tilted. Kind of you want the baby's face like head on to the nipple and the breast. Um, so help your baby by squaring their body and shoulder towards your body. Um, she says that they'll often use the term, the saying tummy to mummy. Uh, also position them with the nipple at nose level rather than chin level. So they'll have to slightly tip their head back like they're drinking from a bottle of water. And that way they can open their mouth and jaw wider. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I will say again, I, I know I've talked about this before but with Paige, her latch was no good. And I knew that because not because she wasn't growing, actually she was gaining weight, but my nipples hurt worse than they were supposed to hurt. Let's just say, I mean, it wasn't like normal first time breastfeeding pain. I mean, it was bad. And I did get that shooting pain in my nipple. I mean, something was off and it ended up, she had a pretty severe lip and tongue tie. So I think that's something else that people might want to, to consult their, uh, their, their lactation counselor for looking for that lip and tongue tie. I will say the one that I talked to in the hospital said that, uh, Cameron did not have one excuse me, turns out he had a pretty severe one as well. Mm. So don't always trust the hospital lactation counselor, not to say that they don't know anything, but I think it's probably good to find one who almost specializes in that area. The one we have here locally who sees a lot of Columbus moms, that's her thing is lip and tongue ties. So she took one look at it and she was like, oh yeah, that's bad. Mm. And uh, took care of that. And let me tell you, it it really did help. So Mm. And I think it'll help them down the road too with their, as far as I've heard, you know, dental uh, cavities and speech. So yeah, I think there's multiple reasons why that could be a good thing. All right. So question five, last question. And this is from Dossie. And she asks, should I nurse on demand or create a feeding schedule? And I kind of added to that. I know for me specifically, I was always curious, you know, if my baby was feeding every 15 minutes, for example, is there some advice to sort of work on longer gaps in between feeding? Because feeding every 15 minutes, especially, what do they call like cluster feedings, mm-hmm. can get super exhausting. So what is her advice on that? And, and also feeding on demand versus a schedule? You may not like her cluster feeding response, but she says okay. in the simplest <laughs> terms, watch the baby, not the clock particularly in the newborn stage when your milk supply is getting established. She said it's very important that the baby is growing and eating well. Um, Mm -hmm. Babies eat in clusters. It's fairly common for your baby to eat many times in a row between 7 p.m. and midnight. And she says the reason for that is your body is responding to that 
to that cluster feeding by making more milk. I think we kind of knew that, but um, it, when the cluster, it, it, basically her advice is to allow them to cluster feed, that it's a biological reason that they're doing it. Um, okay. So stomach capacity, feeding rate and effectiveness and breast milk storage capacity, which is different from milk making capacity, all play a role in how often babies are going to want to eat. So if feedings are intentionally spaced out further than those things allow, milk supply and milk intake can both be impacted. So just like adults, mm-hmm. some babies eat faster uh, than some and uh, m- some eat at more more at one feeding than others. Some babies prefer mm-hmm. smaller, more frequent meals. It's really kind of dependent on the baby. So breast milk is supply and demand driven. Uh, so she said the more frequently and fully the breasts are emptied, the more milk they will make, uh, mm-hmm. the more milk mothers will make. Um, an exception would be to the watch the baby, not the clock would be in the first few weeks of life if your baby's too sleepy, which is super common. Mm -hmm. So if the baby is regularly sleeping for four hours or more and not showing hunger cues, you are going to want to wake up the baby sooner. Um, And she said Mm -hmm. it's most common in babies who are born before that 37, 38 week mark um, Mm -hmm. and babies who maybe experience difficulty um, eating and jaundice as well. So she said the biggest thing, most important thing to note is that it doesn't mean that you need to forever be hostage to your baby's feeding schedule. And that really after about two months, things normalize. Interesting. I will say Paige was full term at 40 weeks, almost exactly. And she was my sleeper. I actually had to wake her up several times that first month. And I was advised to do that. So she would eat, (laughs) which, you know, they always say never wake a sleeping baby, but she would sleep seven hours. (laughs) that was a problem. Yeah. And, and then there's Cameron who was born at 36 weeks, but he was, I never had to wake him up. So, and as much as you want to sleep, your boobs were probably getting you up anyway. Oh my gosh. Yes. Those rock hard boobs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's brutal. You know, Adasi, I'm curious. We talked about this on our last breastfeeding episode. How long are your nursing sessions typically? They are about, I would say about a half hour. 20 minutes okay. to a half hour. He'll be on each side like for 10 to 15 minutes. But mm-hmm. they are, he is doing a lot of cluster feeding. It's really okay. validating to hear though about just like go with it. It's not forever. Mm-hmm. It's important. Yes. It's like important for supply and demand. Um, but yeah, they're, they're kind of short, but frequent. I found yeah, cluster feeding nice. hard because Mark would go to bed because he was working the next night. I was exhausted and just like mentally wanted a break from baby and it was like that I was up alone with this baby with a sore nipple, sore nipples. And I thought, oh, my God, like, it's never going to end. Like, it's never going to end. <laughs> no, that's like where the fantasies of murder come in. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> right. I don't know if we're going to make it. There's no Netflix show good enough to to make it no. through that. Yeah. Without no. some serious mm-hmm. rage. Yeah. OK, that's why you sleep separate. I Nick and I, for both of our children, we slept separate for the first two months. So we I did didn't see him time. snoring. Yeah, we. I, he was never snoring around me. He was never sleeping. I never saw him sleeping. I was able to watch TV in the middle of the night. And I will tell you, I think that that was a, a good system. It worked really well for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, not we, for everyone, but. This is sort of going back to what we were talking about before with partners, but like we did that the first time and it worked really well. And then this time we made a new arrangement where he, I'll get him, I'll get Keith up at one point for one of the feedings and he leaves the room so that I can sleep. And Mm -hmm. that's been really helpful. So it's like, it's a, it's a different plan, but um, I agree with at least having some 
part where you get to sleep completely on your own um, because it's too much to do it. And like Zeke will like snort and snuff and try and poop and (laughs) fart. And like even if he's asleep, he's so noisy. So having like a couple hours where Keith is just in the other room with him is helpful. It's so funny how loud they are. I can remember Nick or um, not Nicole Paige was never that loud when she slept, but Cameron was so loud. I actually ended up having to put him in our bathroom in my, in my room. (laughs) Our bathroom is large. I mean, it's larger. He was fine. He was in a little bassinet, but I had to put him in there because he was so loud. I could not sleep. He was in there for a good four months. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And then in my house, he sleeps in the, in the water cooler or water heater room. Poor boy. It's like Poor Cameron. It's like pitch black and noon, and Gina's like, "I think I'm going to wake him." I'm like, "Yeah, check on that boy." He was. He loved it. He was nice and content in there. <laughs> Poor All Cameron. Right. I know. I know. All right. Well, Dossie, we love you. Thank you so much for coming on. And I, I'm really. Cur- is Keith watching the kids right now? He is. Okay, because I have not heard a peep. Maybe a slight I peep. Told, but I was like, "Go away," and he did it. <laughs> This is impressive. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, we good luck with everything with the new baby and congratulations again. And I hope I get to see them soon. Me too. Thank you so much. (laughs) It was really nice talking with you guys. Thanks for coming on the show. All right. See you, Dossie. Bye. So as I said in Dossie's intro, she is just one month into her postpartum journey. And sometimes it's simply hard to talk when you're Mm -hmm. so uh, short on sleep. After our discussion, Dossie sent me an email with something she really wanted to make sure we said at some point, and that is that she wants moms to know there's no shame in seeking help from a therapist to address postpartum depression or anxiety. Many moms find medication helpful as well. Getting this extra support can be beneficial to both you and your baby. So she did think that was very important to mention, and I think I agree with her for sure. Thankfully, you know, the mental health stigma is reducing amongst people in general and overall more of us are feeling comfortable talking about our problems and not keeping them inside. Actually, I just started reading a book called You Should Talk to Someone, which is really, really good. It's all about a therapist kind of in her journey as a therapist and a lot of her stories about her patients. It's really good. At first, I didn't think I was going to like it, but I've been really enjoying it. Anyway, side note, we're also getting more comfortable using medications uh, if we need them instead of choosing not to um, for fear of judgment from others and of course ourselves. Sometimes we can be our worst um, we can put the most judgment on ourselves, which I think is, is unfortunate, but true. Okay. So wrapping that up, Nicole, let's move on to new products or recipes or mom wins. So this was a real, e- <laughs> my kids are obsessed with vacation Bible school. I didn't say this in the beginning, but this week is vacation Bible school. And so they are there masked up and going strong. And so it starts nice. at six o'clock and it's 20 minutes away. Oh. And so it is like a bum's rush for dinner. So this week has been really quick. Uh, So yesterday we had a bird's eye chicken stir fry. So just from the frozen food section, it was like $8. It was like the family size. And I poured it into the pan and I was quickly, it said 16, 18 minutes. Okay, easy enough. And I'm looking at it going, okay, the front, 
there's like all sorts of vegetables and you pour it in the pan. It's just like all noodles. I'm like, where's the vegetables? So I quickly open up the fridge and I'm throwing in like I diced up zucchini and I diced up a bell pepper and I diced up some broccoli. And I'm just like adding everything that we have kind of (laughs) random in the fridge to add some nutrition to this meal. Yeah. Aside from the sodium, which was like 1200 milligrams and it, it did make a lot. I would say it said five servings. By the time I added all those vegetables, it was at least five. So the sodium was quite high. And I think next time I'll just add less sauce. Like it was plenty saucy. Um, Mm -hmm. So anyway, I would say that was a win. Do you guys ever do anything like that? No, but I saw your story yesterday and I think that's a really good idea. I I think I have in the past. I know my mom used to buy that kind of stuff. I don't ever think to do it. So I, I kind of appreciated the reminder. It sounds really, really good. And I agree with you. You don't always have to use all the sauce. That's where all, most of the sodium is. So was it 1,200 milligrams per serving, I assume? Yes. Yeah. And how much yeah. was a serving? A cup or a half a cup? So Tell me it was a cup. Uh, it didn't really say. It said five servings per... Well, maybe it did. I didn't look oh. closely. It just said five servings per package, which would have been a very generous serving. And I would say it okay. fed... I mean, Mark probably ate two servings and I ate one and the kids ate like a half. They didn't super love it and they just weren't really hungry. And then we had two servings left over. So I would say it probably hmm. made like six servings okay. or close to. Okay. So it was still Once high in sodium. added the but, stuff, you mean? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's not terrible. But yeah, adding less sauce usually helps. What about you? So for me, I will say I kind of fell in love with this sandwich. It's so simple. But when we were on vacation, uh, my dad's wife brought, bought that. It's seeded bread. And I'm sure you've all heard of it. I don't even remember. I think it's like brown berry possibly, but it has little seeds on it. Any whole grain hearty bread. Okay. I toasted it. I add a slathering of red pepper hummus. Generally, um, I mean, it can be any brand of red pepper hummus. I just buy our giant eagle brand here. Sliced cucumbers. And that's all it is. Sometimes I'll add a slice of cheese. Sometimes I don't. So again, cucumbers, red pepper hummus, and seeded bread is my new favorite thing, as well as snack factory pretzel crisps with the red pepper hummus. I'm, I just, it's just my new favorite thing. I, it's like my midday snack on a, on a daily basis at this point. I'm in in love with that combination. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I've had a newfound love for hummus that I, I think I avoided in the past because I was so sensitive to garlic, but now that I'm finding that I can eat garlic, I am just really enjoying it. Okay. So time to read a review. Do I'll go ahead and read this one. This one's from J2S4B. It says, these ladies are such a joy to listen to and learn from. I'm also a mother of young kids and love their pointers. So thank you so much for that review. Very sweet. All right. Coming up on August 16th, we will be dishing out another taste test. And this time it's yogurt. Mm. Just in time for the start of packed lunches, hopefully. Until then, (laughs) keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitians Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. Check out all of our episodes and show notes on our website, dietitiansdishpodcast.com. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. If you listen on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds. Okay, until next time, everyone, be well, and Nicole, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, Gina. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs>